sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. Hello, welcome to Business Eye here at Dublin South FM. Great to have you. Another Dublin company recruitment. I know when people think recruitment, they kind of shake their heads. Sometimes we believe, you know, it's a square peg sticking into a round hole. But that whole industry is evolving and it's changing. And as people are telling me, it's getting better and better and better. So welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Joe. So, so yeah, we're... um... Felix Recruitment is our original business. We're an IT recruitment consultancy and turning 10 years old next week. So we're based here in Dublin in Fitzwilliam Square. And we work typically with um, technology companies, um, indigenous technology companies, some larger uh, international technology companies, and we recruit across the whole gambit. So everything from engineering, um, project managers, business analysts, pretty much anything across the, the sphere of IT. Tell me this, 10 years, 10 years indeed. Will you be, will you be getting a cake? We might get a cake, yeah, <laughs> why not? Why not? I'm probably, maybe, yeah. Well, there's one thing. When does the 10 years happen? When is that coming up to? I think it's officially around the 13th of February something. Okay, right? well, this is what you need to do. And one of the things that I, as a business consultant, tell people to do, celebrate your wins. And what you need to do is when you hit that 10, 10K mark, give yourself a pat on the back and say, well done, because you have achieved something that a lot of companies don't. Most companies go out of business in three years or they financially find difficult and don't last five years. And if you get to the 10 year mark, you're doing something right. And if you can figure that out and just keep on moving, the business then won't be 10, it'll be 15 and it'll be 20 years then as well. So I really mean that about congratulate. We don't congratulate ourselves enough and that's why we keep trying to kill ourselves. But if you stop and congratulate, gives you a breather to move on for the next 10 years for permission to have a cake yeah well, yes and you can send us a slice here at dublin south fm chocolate black forest gado is my favorite black forest gado column um before we came on air we were talking about uh, the recruitment industry and what was going on in the tech industry a lot of people out there are a little bit cautious or a little bit nervous because of the big layoffs in the large multinationals. Now, looking back, large multinationals have always made big layoffs and they've laid people off and everyone panics. And then they hire just a couple of months later, new fresh blood to work within the company. So I think it's also an opportunity for small Irish businesses to actually kind of go, you know what, we've been struggling to get programmers or people in the IT spaces. Maybe this is a time that we should start recruiting to get people that have been working in multinationals to actually now work with ourselves. Am I wrong there? Am I right in what I'm saying? And I'd love to hear more from you. Yeah, so look, there has been a massive shortage of tech talent um, over the last number of years in the Irish market. So the market has we've had huge successes here with um, the large technology companies that have come into the market here. Um, all the big players are here, obviously, and 
They've been brilliant employers, great places to work, hard, really good people. And they've been really central to driving Dublin as a really important tech hub for the world. So they've also been responsible for, um, I suppose, the diversity in the city. They've been responsible for hiring a lot of international people. There's a lot of um, uh, language jobs, people selling to different territories from Ireland and that sort of thing. So it's been overwhelmingly hugely positive for the market. The knock-on effect for Indigenous Irish tech is obviously that they're not really able to compete in terms of salaries and benefits and stuff like that on the uh, on the talent side of things. So companies have always found it difficult to hire staff here. Um, it's been quoted as one of the largest barriers for um, companies scaling here is the lack of available talent. Um, it's something that we identified a number of years ago. So we set up a second company called Capacitine. And Capacitine, we are uh, basically involved with what's called nearshore development. So what we do is we have teams of resources in uh, Central and Eastern Europe that can work remotely for Irish businesses here. And that's really an offering that we have for it's to fill the gap because tech companies that are trying to grow and try to scale and trying to bring new products out to the market, but are really encumbered by not having access to that tech talent. It allows them the opportunity to increase their capacity within their teams by using developers either on a short, medium or long-term basis from our pools of resources in Eastern Europe. So that's something that has been quite a popular um, solution for companies that have been struggling with uh, with tech talent. I suppose to go back to your point on the recent technology layoffs, it's very early yet to see what the trickle-down effect is going to be. Um, anecdotally, most of the people that are being let go aren't really on the engineering side of businesses yet. So it seems to be that a lot of them are involved in shared services in areas like um, recruitment and sales and admin and marketing. And obviously, if you're having hiring freezes and you're um, cutting back on your hiring, you're not going to need as many recruitment staff. And uh, I guess we we have been trying to find out exact numbers uh, and the exact types of people that are being unfortunately laid off. but. It's interesting when companies are announcing job creations, they're always very happy to share uh, the number of job creations and the different disciplines they're in. And we're announcing a thousand jobs and 500 in engineering and 200 in marketing. But when it comes to the other side and they're laying people off, they tend to be a little bit more circumspect about it. So they're not really advertising exactly who they're letting go or you know, the other thing is a lot of it is global companies and they're kind of announcing global numbers and global percentages. So, for example, Google, I know last week announced um, 12,000 layoffs, but I don't think it's been it's hit the Irish uh, teams yet. So it's still very early to see uh, what the impact is going to be. It's an employee market at the moment and in certain sectors. And so employers are screaming out for people. So with a flood of people coming onto the marketplace, it then switches. It then it's back into the hands of the employer and not the employee. And this is always the pendulum has always swung. If you look at through the decades, you know, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and straight up, one part it's employee the next part it's employer 
you know, people, if they are being made redundant, are they worried? The best thing that they can do is invest in themselves because with technology and AI and things being replaced or being redundant, the one thing that you can always do is invest in yourself. And if you invest in yourself, you've come more employable to an organization. With all these people that are hiring and all the wonders of the big multinationals hiring people, who are the first to go? From your statistics, who are the first actually to go when there is a downturn? Well, in this case, it seems to be that the first people to be let go are the kind of recruitment sort of functions, right? And that, you know, from a business side of things, from their perspective, would make sense because obviously if you're going to have downturn in layoffs, you're going to stop hiring, then you're not going to need as many internal recruitment teams. It was something that's changed over the last kind of certainly five, six, seven years where tech companies used to rely a lot on recruitment consultants like ours, but then decided to start hiring their own internal recruitment teams to work inside in the in the company. Um, they found this worked very well because it meant their own recruiters were then only working on their particular roles. They knew the company well. Um, and it meant that they were easier able to ramp up their teams. But obviously, if there's layoffs coming and you're not doing any hiring, then the first people to be let go, unfortunately, is a lot of our colleagues in the recruitment industry. Um, so that yeah, that seems to be the certainly the first tranche that we've come across anyway. Look at the banks, actually. Look at the banks at the moment. Like Look at Bank of Scotland, where there's going to be thousands of people coming onto the marketplace as well as they pull out of Ireland. So I'd hate to be in the position of someone, but I think if they, as I said to you, they sort of have a bit of hope and believe in themselves, invest in themselves, there will be great opportunities. You know, that's the whole negative part. So what is the positive part of the whole 2023. The positive parts are that there's still brilliant companies out there that are hiring. There's still brilliant companies out there that are producing great products. Um, there's a lot of big companies that haven't announced tech layoffs. There's a, a lot of indigenous companies who are really looking to grow and to develop. Um, there, a lot of the, the large consultancy firms who'd be quite focused on IT and digital transformation are hiring good people. Um, so there is still a huge amount of opportunity out there. There was a number I heard recently that in the States where a lot of engineers have been let go from um, their employers, the, the number of vacancies per software engineer has gone down from 3.8 vacancies per person to 1.8 vacancies per person. So while it is a significant drop, it's still almost two uh, jobs for every software developer out there. So while it is very tough for those people who are getting the bad news and it's it's awful to, to be facing into that in the new year, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. There is still a lot happening out there. The other thing that's really interesting that comes from uh, events like this is that you'll find a lot of really bright people coming out of these companies with fresh ideas who are kind of forced into entrepreneurship. They might have received some money in a redundancy package. They might have got together with some colleagues, some things that they've worked on in one of the big tech firms. And, you know, it might be a, a push for them to go out there and start their own thing. Um, 
you know, there's really, really bright people, really ambitious, really driven people working in a lot of these firms. And I think that's a really exciting thing as well, is that people who have worked together who may have worked on a particular product, project or product together, now all of a sudden they're out in the world and they can put their heads together and come up with some ideas. And, you know, there's great supports out there in terms of um, government grants, in terms of uh, enterprise boards, in terms of... Uh, available resources you know there's angel investors there's so many different opportunities for people who want to take this opportunity to launch their own business the barriers of entry are quite low now for starting a business if you have a few bright people and a, a few ideas you, you can go a long way so that's something that certainly you will find and certainly out of the last recession there's a lot of companies that sprung up from those kind of people who were let go from bigger firms and, you know, they had a few bob in their pocket from redundancy and they started up a business that they may never have done if they weren't uh, in the unfortunate situation of having lost their jobs. We just just say, don't get into recruitment. Keep them away, Sarah, from the recruitment industry. <laughs> well, look, I suppose the thing on the recruitment side, it's like I said, I mean, even though the big tech companies are doing layoffs, I mean, there's still huge numbers of really bright, really good Irish Indigenous companies who are hiring that are great to work for, that really have strong culture, strong values, great products. Um, so I really would be positive that people who maybe need to realign a little bit or as you say upskill a little bit or look at a different area but i'm very confident and very happy that the future is bright for the irish tech space maybe that it's realigned a little bit more into the indigenous and to smaller companies when i was you know in my teens it was everyone doing apprenticeship you know an apprenticeship and you know be a plumber or be a carpenter and then it went to be you have to get into it and everyone got into programming you know where you know, I got into MS-DOS programming and realized that I wasn't able to sit at a desk for too long and, and loved sales. And that was my path. Um, what, what, is, what is the big thing now uh, that, you know, people coming out of college are being sort of driven towards as the next success story? Is it still programming or is it AI or what is, what is that big next thing that people are chasing? Yeah, well, certainly, I mean, AI seems to be all the buzz at the moment. I mean, my view on things is that there's always going to be scope for everyone, right? So I hear sometimes people saying that programming should be mandatory in schools. I'm not sure I fully believe that. I'm not sure I buy into that. Certainly, it should be available for those who want to pursue it. But, I mean, it's like learning a language. You know, we have Irish as a... As a, a uh, a prescribed language in schools here but i mean in terms of coding like if i'm somebody who's really good with my hands or who wants to work you know more in a trade or as a carpenter or as a plasterer or whatever you know i'd be wasting my time doing coding in school when i could be doing something like woodwork or something that'll be more practical and relevant to what i do so while you know tech is here to stay and it will continue to grow and i've i've heard that figures that the uh, spend on tech each year is growing internationally eight times every year so it's massive and it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger but there's always going to be room for everyone you're still going to need your i think engineering is a great path as well because we're always going to be we always need engineers we'll always need programmers we need bakers you know we we need people to you know in the service industry it's it's you mentioned schools there and you know made me think you know schools kind of teach you a way of what to think instead of teaching you how to think you know and 
sometimes we need to step back and sort of kind of go, okay, what do I want? What do I need? Um, one thing that uh, some people are, are sort of a bit frustrated is about apprenticeships, that, you know, the backlog of apprenticeships in, in IT, but then does the, you know, the likes of electricians and people like this in the engineering world that are being gobbled up by the big multinationals, which is putting a chokehold on the smaller companies. And they're kind of screaming out, how do we increase our apprenticeship to get people in to these service jobs like plumbers, electricians, you know, uh, carpenters and so on. Have you heard anything like that yourself or are you aware of that, Colin? Um, not really. The only thing I'd know is anecdotally, you know, from at home here, trying to get a plumber or a plaster or anything like that can be really difficult. But I've seen recently Dublin Bus has massive bads in the sides of buses trying to encourage people to come and work and um, it landed pay involved and that sort of thing. So I think it's a challenge across the board for everyone to hire across any sort of an industry. Um, I think on the, you know, on the trade side of things, I think maybe it's something that needs to be pushed a little bit more in school. People encourage more to go into those sorts of disciplines if, um, if they are that way inclined or if that's the way that they feel that their skills would be best set, you know. Um, um, but in terms of, you know, I... I, I don't think there's any industry out there that is uh, awash with uh, with talent, be it anything from service industry. We all hear the horror stories of restaurants and shops and retail struggling to find staff and pubs and bars and hotels struggling to find staff. So I think it's across the board, you know. I think there's a, I don't think there's anyone out there that's turning away um, employees or potential employees, irrespective of what market they're in at the moment. You mentioned Dublin bus. You know, I was a summer job for two summers. I was a bus conductor. Oh, really? Yeah. And I I was probably, it was that time when I think I was one of the last bus conductors. People out there are going, what was a bus conductor? Was this on yeah. the back door of the bus? Was the it? back door of the bus. And yeah, and um, learned a lot about people and different regions of Dublin and it was it was an education in itself, um, which I always think back on. So yeah, the the you can learn a lot from Dublin bus. You can learn a lot from Dublin bus on it. I think you probably had a lot more interaction with people back then, though, as well, rather than nowadays. The bus drivers a bit stuck. I remember we used to get the forty-eight A bus to school, and you know all the conductors inside it. But it's funny, that's another thing with technology, and certainly we've seen it in the recruitment industry, is over the last 10 years, I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've had emails or phone calls of people who've designed a new platform for recruitment that's going to put the recruitment industry out of business because it's all singing and all dancing and it's matching candidates with job vacancies. And I've lost count of the amount of times I've heard this story, but Recruitment is like a lot of industries, and what it actually needs is more human interaction, not less. Well, it just needs that personal touch. So if I'm dealing with a candidate who's got a job offer, uh, and they need to sit down, have a coffee with me, and go through the pros and cons of the role, be it sim simple things like, you know, if I take this role, I'll be able to drop the kids to school in the morning, or I'll be able to work from home three days a week, or... You know, just to talk through the human elements and the human sides of a role, because a lot of the time people think of it as a transaction, that you have a job opening, you have a candidate, and that's a transaction. 
But as people realize the more technology comes into play, there's actually a lot more human interaction required because at the end of the day, you're dealing with people and you're dealing with not just headcount, not just numbers, not just candidates. They're real people with real challenges and real problems. And we all know your job is a huge decision um, and all the factors that play in around it. So it's interesting you mentioned the human interaction because I think that's something that in certain roles and certain it's it's definitely something that will be always required. And sometimes the more technology comes into play, it's actually more important to have even more human interaction. Well, Colm, you know, paper never refused ink. Um, and the one thing that an organization needs to move forward is synergy. It's also that rapport between everyone. So, you know, you could have someone who looks great on paper and you bring them into your organization and they're toxic and that that toxicity then can do more damage to an organization than good so i think you know you and we do know that there is software out there that when people are interviewing you know it's looking at people's eyes it's looking at their facial expressions it's it's reading the face and also making data points on that as well. And then looking at everything, you know, then people's handwriting. So there's multiple different things that can be used. But I think at the end of the day, you have to go with your gut feeling, your intuition, and knowing that there is a rapport between you and the candidate. And if they can then, you know, they show from previous records proof that they can do the job and then you you have that good feeling because if that if those things if you have that everything else then can be learned you know and people when they go into a company it takes them three months six months to get their feet to understand to fitting in and i know what to need or does it take a shorter amount of time now well, it's an interesting one, right? And I tell you what was manna from heaven for recruitment agencies and for any recruiters out there was the Liz Truss incident, because that'll just go to show you the most powerful role in Britain. And she lasted 44 days in the job. So that'll just show you that no matter how experienced you are, no matter how much you try, no matter how much research you do, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Just for people, Liz Truss, just in case they're going, who is that? She was the Prime Minister of England and she got in and she she got in and she got out. 44 days, yeah. 44 days. So that just goes to show you that sometimes people go into an organisation with the best will in the world great references, great industry knowledge, great context, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't work out. So the important thing is that people don't beat themselves up, be it the candidate themselves or the, the employer when these things happen. There's very little guaranteed success. I mean, with the best will in the world, and you can do all the research that you can, and that's a human thing as well. Sometimes things just don't work out. And you can do every bit of due diligence that you can on a candidate. And equally, people, when they're going into a company, they can do a lot of research in the company. There's tons of resources available now, like Glassdoor and different places that you can find out and work out about companies and go into it. But you really don't know until you start in the company what the uh, how it's going to go, what the real company is like, what the culture is like, and whether it's going to work out or not. So people always go into it with their eyes wide open and hoping the things will work for the best. But... The Liz Trust Prime Minister uh, example, it, it, it just goes to show you that no matter how big the role, sometimes it goes wrong. So, yeah, I think the, the Liz Trust proves that things can go wrong. 
And that is, you know, she was the head of a country. And I think with small organizations, they don't have that money either <laughs> to realize, you know, when they can, you know, to pay someone for maybe three months or six months can cost them an awful lot. So that's where that gut feeling. And I'm sure there was people who didn't believe she could get the job, but, you know, her influence and backhanders within politics, I'm sure is very different from, from small companies. But I'm going to ask you, the future for yourselves. So, you know, with you, you know, you're reaching out, you're, you're setting up, you know, connections in other parts of Europe to help Irish companies. What's the future for yourselves, Colin? What's, what's the future? So that's really where we're focused on now. So what we're really looking to do is we're looking to help indigenous storage businesses get to the next stage, get to the next level and get to where they need to be to compete globally. So what we're doing is obviously there's a big focus on the local recruitment market. So we help businesses to find either contract or permanent staff. Then, as I said, we also work with our near shore hubs um, mainly across Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, we have accessed over 9,000 resources in those hubs. So what we look to do is to introduce those resources as well, either on a short-term or a long-term basis for our clients here in, in Ireland, and we also have some clients in the UK. So that's really what we're looking to do is to continue to push that on. Um, the remote working thing is becoming a lot more prevalent, as is what they call the gig economy. So that's where people, you know, stop working permanently. And we have a huge number of resources available who, who work in this kind of a manner. They just want to work three, six-month contracts with different companies and move on. And that's how they style themselves. They have no interest in ever working permanently in a company. You know, they, they might commit to six or nine or 12 months at the longest, but that's kind of the model that they work under. And there's huge demand for that from Irish companies as well. So that's something that we're going to continue to push out. Um, and that's really where we see our focus for the for the coming years. Um, we love working with really bright startup companies, scale-up companies. And there's, you know so many brilliant people out there and it, it always impresses me even younger generations that are coming through and younger entrepreneurs and just how confident they are um a lot of the guys as i was saying the guys and girls coming out of the tech companies that are being laid off now they have such confidence they have such self-belief from having worked with founders of companies um and having worked with successful people that really have instilled that belief in them so i'm you know I'm really confident that the Irish ecosystem, the tech ecosystem is going to continue to grow and flourish based on that. You know, these people knock your socks off just with the belief they have The, you know, I'm talking to some investors and some of the pitches that they've heard from young people and they're blown away by just the level of confidence that they have, how worldly they are. You know, you're talking people in their early 20s and they just know their stuff inside out and, you know, really all is well for the future. Hunger, hunger and drive. That's that's what it is. Hunger and drive. Colin, we're coming to the end. Look, just give us a shout out for the web address and your LinkedIn if people want to connect you to both, please. Sure. So our website is Felix.ie is our Irish recruitment agency. Uh, Capacity.ie is our Nearshore development website where you can see information about all of our Nearshore offerings. Um, my own LinkedIn is Colin O'Rourke and 
I'd be delighted to uh, engage with anyone who has any questions or anything they'd like to have a chat about. Colin O'Rourke, thanks for coming on to Business Eye here at Dublin South FM. Thank you.